Hi, this is Aaron Azrod, and welcome to the 156th episode of the Truth Island Podcast. Over the past 18 months of the pandemic, many of the things that we held to be absolutely true have slowly begun to show signs of weakening. If one were to travel back in time to, let's say, 2017, and ask random people on the street what they felt were the most important things in life, they would probably give some generic answers such as money, family, career, health, etc. However, in many respects, the things that we once cherished are starting to show cracks. For instance, what is the point in having the perfect body if no one is ever around to see you? What good is money if you don't use it to help benefit others, but only to satiate your own gluttonous appetite for more material goods? Even something such as power itself is starting to become obsolete as what exactly is the point in occupying a high office if the people underneath you don't believe or respect you? What's worse is that many of our politicians and influencers are not speaking their mind, but rather are speaking the words in which they think people want to hear. In the words of William Shakespeare, the world's a stage and we are all actors. It's almost as if Shakespeare was thinking of 2021 when he coined that phrase, as when one closely examines the people around them, one sees nothing but actors. For instance, actors are constantly thinking about how the audience is going to react to their character, much the same way that everyone else is concerned about how others perceive them. This ranges from what they wear to the words that come out of their mouth. It can be said that humans that live solely for how they appear before others have long since stopped being human and have unknowingly become actors in a play that they never signed up for. Joining me to help break out a character, I am once again joined by my castmate, Kenny. Kenny, let me start by asking you, do you think that this play called Life is a comedy or a tragedy? (laughs) I think it's a bit of both, mate. Comedies in the sense that, you know, um, a lot of good things happen. Uh, Often, you know, you get the right job, you meet the right person, get married, uh, you have kids people who, you know, turned their back on you or, you know, doubted you sometimes, uh, changed their minds. Um, People get lucky and their lives turn out pretty well. And then tragedy, I mean, at the end of the day, every single one of us is gonna die, you know? Every single one of us. And we're we're all gonna die in one way or the other. Uh, Some of us are gonna be, you know, it's gonna be through just awful, painful disease and, some of us are going to be horrible car accidents. Some of us is just, everybody dies pathetically, man. Uh, we lose beyond death. We lose people lose limbs. People lose loved ones. People lose um, lose their jobs. Lose lose their life savings. Uh, lose their investments. People don't know who they are. So uh, there's a lot of tragedy too. So I think it's a mixture. It's an interesting mixture of comedy and tragedy. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And I think a lot of it also uh, comes down to perception. I, I think that um, sometimes, you know, it, it's interesting because I was telling my girlfriend just yesterday, I said, sometimes like the scariest moments in your life make for the greatest stories a few years later. Like in that moment, you're scared shitless. But, you know, a few years later, 
it makes for an excellent story. Um, I want to kind of talk about us as being actors and, and, and perhaps maybe following some delusions. And, and now I think, I think death is a great way in sort of exposing the delusions very quickly. I think when death is off the table, I mean, I think when we're, it's never off the table, but sometimes in other, like in other instances in life, it's further off, the t it's further away from us, right? So when death is further away from us, it allows us to kind of um, play up our delusions a lot more. So we're able to kind of be like, we're able to, to create controversy out of nothing, right? So if I'm not worried about death, and I walk into a department store and something is not 20% off or I didn't get the right sale or uh, this shirt didn't come in the color that I wanted, my day is ruined. You ever hear these people that say, uh, you know, my day was ruined because it rained <laughs> or my day was ruined because I didn't get that thing on sale or something like that, right? Yeah. And that's what I kind of think um, our life was a bit more like. I'm not saying for everybody. Obviously, there's people in parts of the world that, you know, death is a real and present danger. But I think for a lot of us in the developed world, death is so far removed from our existence that we were kind of creating these false tragedies or these false reasons to be upset. We were, we, were, we were getting upset over trivial nonsense when in actuality, it was really nothing. I'm wondering like if, if, if this is something that like is just temporary or do you think that we're going to keep pushing closer to actually, you know, evaluating what really means anything in this world? Or are we going to, as soon as the threat of death just kind of evaporates, we're going to go back to like nitpicking, you know, why this thing wasn't on sale or why that pasta dish I ordered at the restaurant was a little cold. Well, yeah. Well, first of all, the idea that, you know, um, the question of if this life is, if we're all actors and if we're living in, you know, like a delusion is, I think it's a very good question. It's a very valid one, man. I was actually talking to someone about this two nights ago. Uh, a friend, had, had a good friend of mine had introduced me to a friend of his. This guy was very, um, very interesting. And he, one of the things he kept talking about, one of the things that he kept, uh, that made me, he, I would say, that he would say made him who the kind of person he is. And he's a very interesting guy. Um, said that it was, you know, the desire to, the desire to know what is true, the desire to know what is factual or what is true. And uh, people talk about that a lot, but they only want to know what's true when it's beneficial to them and don't really know what's true if it's going to be, you know, detrimental or in any way inconvenient, you know, and any, and in any way uh, in, an inconvenience to their life. Um, but I think Shakespeare was right, Mike. You know, this life is like a stage, and we and we certainly treat it that way. I mean, the way we're always sending signals to one another. Always, uh, we have a certain persona that we want others to see us. You know, we want others to measure us by uh, the way the way we dress, the things we say, the the movies we watch, the books we read, and our and our desire to inform those to inform people about those things we do in private. It's 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 really about it's really about sending a message, a message that we hope we hope will be beneficial to us. Nobody nobody wants to go around, you know, making enemies and uh, being misunderstood. I think we all want to be understood, and we all want to, even if it's not really who we are, we all want to have a projection where we want to project something how we would like to be perceived. I mean, it, it starts at a very young age, and 
And so I agree, I think, I think, but beyond that, that's that's pretty superficial because I mean we have to wear clothes, right? I mean we <laughs> some might argue, some might say no, Kenny, we don't. But I mean, if we're living in a you know a society, a civilized society, then we have to wear clothes. But there's there's a different side of it. There is a different side to this delusion. There's a different side to the acting that becomes a bit you know, a bit more dangerous. I was watching this commercial yesterday, and it was you know this guy flies in on a spaceship. Very handsome young man. It's obviously a model. Very handsome young man flies in on a spaceship to this very to this awesome space party. There's an alien playing the drums. And there's an space party. Space party, man. You know? There's an alien playing the drums. There's a uh, there's people, very beautiful people, dancing all around, and they're all dressed in this futuristic, futuristic, you know, uh, outfits. And he, the young man, sees a very beautiful young lady across the street, across the uh, across the room, walks up to her, and he takes her hand, and they walk off, and they get into his space car, and they fly away. And in the middle, you know, interspersed into in between these these scenes is a dancing robot, small dancing, very small robot, very cute dancing robot. And uh, at the end of the commercial, you find out that it's it's just a commercial for cologne. And the first thing I do, first thing I do is, you know, I roll my eyes instinctively, like, oh my, oh oh brother, oh brother. But I see, I check myself. It's like, you really, what what am I rolling my eyes about? I'm rolling my eyes because. Oh, it's just, you know, it's, I'm tired of commercials personally, but it's specific, this, this kind of commercial. It's, you know, these kinds of, people say, no, it's just artistic expression. Well, sure, maybe. I mean, don't, don't tell me that, you know, um, that company spends millions of dollars creating this commercial for artistic expression. No, they know what they're doing. They are signals. They are, there's, there's, there, there's a, marketing is not, marketing is not art. There was, it can, I mean, there's a, there's a system, there's a, there's a system to it, but it's not art. I don't, I mean, you can say, well, the art of marketing, sure, you can say the art of anything, the art of pooping, the art of pissing, whatever you want to call it, art of whatever, but it's not art. It's, there, there's, a, there's a science behind it. There's a, there's a strategy, and a strategy is to get you to do something. And usually it's bending reality. What they're trying to do is they're trying to take parts of reality that usually don't mix. That usually they, they they enhance something. So you have this this party with incredibly gorgeous people, doing these fun things, messing, playing with you know, interacting with an alien species and it's cute dancing robot, and they've created this environments where they're larger than life, where that's from from the viewer's perspective, this is where they want they ought to be. This is where they want to be. They want to be that beautiful. They want to be that engaged. They want to be surrounded with that kind of uh, adventure and experience. And so they're, and then they point to this, this robot and it's supposed to be a very luxurious item because that, that commercial, is, it's, it's, a luxuri- it's a luxurious, it had a luxurious feel to it, right? And so it's, it's like, you know, you're, you're being, if, you, if you're a small man, middle-class man, lower middle-class man, buys this perfume, behold, you are now in the big leagues. You are like the gods. You are like the gods who play guitar with aliens. You know what I mean? And it's 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 a bit it's a bit it's manipulative, of course. But it's it's our world operates this way. You see, I mean, delusions are everywhere, and it's often on our television sets that we see them. Often we hear them on the radio and so forth. But I do believe that there is there is absolutely um, um, we're living in a very delusional world on many fronts. 
Okay. I'm really glad that you took this into the uh, down the path of commercialism because I think commercialism is the most obvious example of this. And let, let's look at that perfume, or I, I think this also happens a lot with skincare commercials. Okay, look 20 years younger and so forth, right? And it's gotten to the point now where it's not, they're not just telling you, like a lot of these um, skincare stuff, they're not just telling you you'll look younger. They're saying, if you don't do this, your skin might be at risk or, or you, your, 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 your flesh is at risk almost. It's like, it's like they're taking it even further to a point where it's not even just a question of like, look your best. It's a question of like, you, you will not live without this product and so forth. And I think that's a case point of the, of the grand delusion because there are two facts that I learned when I was in middle school that actually transformed my life. Okay. And the first of which is, if you go, if you go, uh, a human being can go up to 30 days just drinking water. Okay. So if you're just drinking water, you, you can survive up to 30 days. And then a human being can live for about three to four days without food or water. Okay. And those are like just absolute fact, right? Like, so if you go more than three days with no food and water, you'll die. If you go more than 30 days uh, without drinking any water, you'll die. And those are like absolute truths. Like, okay, this is the bare minimum. This is the bare minimum that is needed in order to stave off death. Like death is the ultimate truth. And, you know, food and water is what's required to, to kind of prevent the ultimate truth from just happening tomorrow. Everything else though, is a part of the delusion of you need this. You need this to be a part of society. You need this to be happy. You need this in order to live. And I think commercialism is where uh, this absolutely happens the most. And I think it's, it's, it's at a breaking point now where it's starting to create strife and conflict and depression where there need not be strife, conflict, and depression. Because if human beings just kept in the back of their mind, okay, I just need food and water and, and shelter, you know, assuming you're living in a climate where it gets really cold or something and you could freeze to death, all right? So food, water, and shelter. I, I think we actually have the potential to be happy when we realize just how little it is that we actually need in order to survive. I think the unhappiness starts coming when we start um, falling victim to these delusions and start believing that we need more to exist than what we actually do need. Well, yeah, don't get me wrong. I, I think it's perfectly fine to like, you know, buy the that expensive perfume and be, and be content with it. The, the problem is not the perfume. The problem is not buying the perfume. The, per, the problem is why you think you ought to buy that perfume. I like what you said there about needing. Do you, why, why, do you, why do you think you need it? We often think that we, 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 we often think, believe that we think for ourselves. And that's just not the case. A lot of the time, if the average human being sits down and thinks through why he believes what he or she believes, they'll find out that it's either because their parents taught them that, the teachers taught them that, they heard it on the news, they saw it in a film, they read it in some book. The critical thinking, personal thinking for one's own self is just not what we do. We feel often, often we feel things and we equate feeling with thinking. It's not the same thing at all. We equate having thoughts in our head with thinking. That's not the same thing at all. It's, it's very unique. When you meet them, you know. 
it's very unique to find individuals who have thought things out, thought through things out for themselves. It doesn't necessarily mean they're always right, but it's impressive. It's impressive because here is, there's about, you know, seven, seven billion people in the world, right? There's and populations are growing, about seven billion people in the world. And among the seven billion people, you find that we, we all, we're all pretty much alike. We're, I mean, generally, we all behave in the same way, especially when it comes to doing, you know, evil. We're all pretty bad. Like a, a bad man in China looks the exact same as a bad man in America. There's just, there's just no difference. If it's, if it's, if it's, if it's going to beat his wife, he's going to beat his wife. He's going to, you know, beat the crap out of his kids. He's going to drink all day and all night. He's going to do that. He's going to steal from his company. He's gonna, it's, it's, it's the same thing. There's no, there's no difference in our expression of wickedness and evil. But what, what's, what's interesting is when you find individuals who think, who begin to, how you say, uh, who, who begin to think for themselves amongst the 7 billion. And there's not much. When you, when you find them, it's interesting because they, 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 they become outliers in the sense of everybody's going left and jumping from one bridge to the other or jumping, you know, making, making a certain move repeatedly. And it's been going on for, the, for ages. And this poor schmuck, for one reason or the other, decides to actually think, decides to not go with, you know, to not, to, to not go with the flow, finds himself alone. When the masses, the masses, the general population, the general population are often being run and being coerced and being manipulated and being told what to believe by the media, it's usually the media, and their own, you know, group of friends who, you know, often reaffirm and reassure one another. And what happens is, you know, we're, 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 we build, we build these castles of untruth not 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 doesn't mean that everybody believes what everybody believes is complete delusion no, no i'm just saying that we hold very we hold certain and strong delusional ideas we hold things we hold things dear to us things that inform our lives things that inform our futures our kids futures that just aren't true or just aren't necessary and it's 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 hard it's 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 hard to it's hard to to to, to remove those things from one's own life but it's always pleasant to me when you, you know when you find somebody who is thinking, actively thinking, actually judging and questioning the things they encounter in the world. Wow, I, I, I think there's actually a very, very profound insight that you just hammered in in what you just said. And that is, um, so let's take the perfume commercial for a second. Is there anyone watching television that literally thinks they're going to die if they don't spray this perfume on their body? Probably not, right? Like, no, no one actually thinks they're going to die. But what actually gets people away from the truth is the threat of social isolation. I think, I think, I think, I think that people are, are, are smart enough to know that they won't die. But so they're afraid of social stigma and social isolation. And that in itself is a form of death, right? Like the man who's been completely cast out from society, he's, he's not physically dead, but socially he's dead. And I'll give you an example of this. Take something like uh, male deodorant. 
if you look at, you know, the 17th, 18th, 19th century, most men probably did not wear deodorant. Do you think like the average Civil War soldier cared about putting on deodorant? Do you think that the American Revolution <laughs> soldier cared about like putting on deodorant? No. So like, if you did not, if you were a man and you were living during these times, you were still allowed to be a part of society, whether you put on deodorant or not put on deodorant. No one gave two craps. And the reason why people didn't give a crap whether you wore deodorant or not is because everyone was like hungry, starving. Like you had big, re you had real problems that you had to contend with. So no yeah. one was going to be like, no, 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 sir, you, you can't enter here. You didn't put deodorant. But compare that to like the 20th century, or the late 20th century, 21st century. Now you, you're a guy, you walk into an office with no deodorant. Everyone has been like, oh, God, you, you stink, you smell, man. You, so basically, if you do not perform this ritual, you will be socially isolated from, from, from the herd. And that, that in itself is a, is a form of death. Because I, I think people actually afraid being people fear being exiled or, or or ostracized more than actual death itself i think i think i think that people are more afraid that they're going to be cast out as a leper uh amongst their community than act than actually going six feet under and yeah. i i think that's what i think that's how we all become actors so i think i think what happens is that we realize if we tell the truth we're not going to be invited to parties. We're not going to have friends anymore. And it's not that we, it's not that we don't know what the truth is. It's just that, that, that fear, that fear of being socially isolated forces us to go along with the herd, even if the herd is all believing in falsehoods. Whereas um, I, I, when you said that there's so few men that actually think critically, I think that every man has the ability to think critically or think for himself. But you have to be brave enough to face the wrath of social isolation. I think that's I think that's the difference maker. I don't think it's actually you know the neurons in your brain or your your cognitive ability. I think you just have to be brave enough to think for yourself and be open that you think for yourself. Yeah, I, I think that's true. I mean, it's it's let's just say it doesn't it doesn't really win you any popularity awards, and you are. And you're, you're going to be weird for a while, especially depends on how young you are. You know, it's, you know usually when, 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 young, when young people begin to think um, for themselves and figure things out, they, they're very vocal about it. You know, they want, they want to, they want to, it usually comes from a very good place. And, you know, they end up getting crucified. It, it, it's, certainly, it's certainly not going to win you any, you know, any good things, except for, I mean, the, the only person I know doing this right now that is just fantastically working out well for him and it's, it has a lot to do with his attitude, but, but the sheer brilliance of his mind is, is just incredibly helpful to this Jordan Peterson. This guy says things that, I mean, he should have been crucified years ago. I mean, he, this, this, guy, this guy should have been crucified years ago. But for one reason or the other, he survived. Now, that doesn't mean he doesn't have his critics. It just means he has a lot of people who are rooting for him. Yeah, I, I think I think it's 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 a it's a it's a very unusual it's a very unusual place to be where where you start thinking for yourself and uh, and, uh, and 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 people and people actually you know can kind of find you endearing. 
um, when you speak the truth and you, you're actually admired for it, it's, it's a very unusual place to be. So I, th I, 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 you know, I also have a lot of respect for Jordan Peterson, and I think our society needs more mavericks such as him. And it doesn't matter what your uh, opinions are, whatever, just independent thought. Like, I love people who think independently, whether they're on the right or whether they're on the left. It doesn't matter to me. I don't care if you're a leftist or a right or a rightist or whatever you are. If your thought is pure and independent, I actually have a tremendous level of respect for you. If you if your thought was formulated by reading really obscure books that no one really talks about anymore, and your thoughts were formulated by taking 10-hour walks by yourself, you know, in, in a park, I actually have a lot of respect for you just by virtue of the fact that you see when you come up with your own independent thoughts, you can explain them in such a simple way because you have the highest level of understanding of them. You know, like you're because when, when you hear somebody who hasn't formulated their own thoughts, you ask them a simple that they'll, they'll they'll tote the line, right? They'll tote the line. And you ask them one follow up question. What, well, what happens if this happens or suppose this happens? And then it's like, ooh, uh, ooh, uh, ooh, uh, right? Like they just fade away because you can tell that that person is just regurgitating something that they heard. And they actually haven't taken a 10 hour walk to actually think about the thought themselves at a deep level, yeah. you know? So th 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 yeah. this is, and this is where, this is where you find out if your thinker is a part of the herd or whether they are a true giant, you know, if they're a giant amongst giants, okay? Is that you ask them a few follow-up questions and if they break down and they can't answer those follow-up questions, uh, that's a problem. And, and look, man, I have actually met professors. I've met people with PhD, PhDs. I ask them a simple follow-up question, they can't answer it. And I'm like, you know, like, because they, they are so lost in their own, they're so lost in their talking points or so lost in their own mantra that if you ask them one question that challenges their beliefs, they're unable to answer it. That means they have not, even though they have a doctorate, they haven't grappled with these thoughts at the highest level. They, they memorized the things that they needed to memorize. So they have good rote learning uh, memorization but they haven't taken 10 hour walks and actually thought about these concepts independently at a very high level. And that, yeah. th th that, that is a huge problem with our society. As to your point about like being crucified for being an independent thinker, I think you're absolutely right. If you dare break free from the herd, you will be attacked and you will actually, I, I think if you break free from the herd, the first thing that will happen to you is no one just pays attention to you. <laughs> <laughs> like you know it's, it's when you it's when you come back and start saying things you know saying things that you you dare not say yeah yeah and then you know it's usually when you start costing people money exactly yeah i like you're it's absolutely you, right it's when you start costing them money and for for the average man convenience yes you you, you are not you are no longer um you are no longer this cute little puppy mm. that should be you know um oh Aren't you cute? This little little guy, yeah, little guy, little guys, little guy saying big things, little guy saying big things, huh? You're no longer this cute little puppy. Now you've become this, you know, this entity that needs to be eradicated. Um, but of course, but, that's. You know, I know it sounds dramatic. It sounds like, oh my goodness, what are you saying? No, no, but it's true. Eventually, in one way or the other, there's nobody who tells you the truth, and that is actually true. That 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 does well. It just doesn't happen. 
Well, so in order to be perceived as a threat, you need to have considerable reach, right? So you and I speaking the truth is not really much of a threat because we don't have necessarily that broad reach and we're not costing anyone money, right? Because our reach. So I think, I think you have to, in, in order to be deemed a threat, you would need to have a considerable base or a considerable reach because then, then you start costing people money when, when actually a significant portion, it doesn't have to be the majority, by the way, it could be something as low as 20 to 30% of the population starts believing in your ideas, then you're actually labeled a threat. So I think that you have to do two things. You have to one, speak the truth, and two, have a considerable enough reach that you're, as you said, costing other people money or costing them their reputation or, or their fame or their power, or whatever it is that they feel threatened by. I think there's so many obstacles in order to, to achieve this because... One, you you do you you do face like localized exclu exclusion, right? Like you know, you're you're sorry, you're not you're not in your immediate circle. You're not saying the things that everyone else is saying, right? And that that bothers them because you're challenging their personal identity, right? When you ask, like you know, I ask a lot of what if questions, like what if this happens, what if that happens, right? And people find that really annoying, you know. And and I, I always wondered well, why do they? <laughs> you know, it's like you know, it's like Socrates says, an annoying gadfly, right? And I asked myself that question: Well, why don't people like all these what if questions? And I realized that the reason they don't like these what if questions is because it challenges their personal identity and it it, it challenges their power. It's as simple as that. It's not. It's not. It's not that they. It's not that they don't intellectually want to roll around in the mud. It's just they know they know that there's a good chance that this what if pro, this what if question can be can bring them down. It's, it could very well bring them down because they're going to be caught with their pants down and they're going to be caught. Uh, you know, they're going to be locked into a corner and they're not going to have the answer. And this this could be the one little uh, Jenga piece that you pull out and then the whole tower comes climb you know crumbling on down. Mm. And we got to we got to get past this because there's a lot of intellectual dishonesty that's going on because people people are too I, I, they're too much of they're too there's too much cowardice that is preventing people from actually grappling with themselves and grappling of whether the things that they believe are true or whether they're false. I was listening uh, just this morning, just before we got on, there was this YouTuber I was listening to and he said, yeah, I don't really like debating people. You know, people just prefer for me to like, you know, get on my channel and say what it is that I believe. And I'm like, oh my goodness, like what, what kind of intellectual, like, cowardice is this where, where it's like you want to just get on your youtube channel and speak your truth un, unchallenged un, uh, like unchallenged and people are eating this up and i'm like that's not what people should be eating up people should be eating <laughs> people people should be eating up the the sparring or that you know what that's the equivalent the, the equivalent of a youtuber just getting on their channel and talking for 45 minutes is the equivalent of a ufc fighter fighting a punching bag is that and would you pay money to see a UFC fighter fight a punching bag, Kenny? Would you pay money for that? Yeah, it, it, was it you know was this punching bag was this punching bag 
interesting? Was it a, a <laughs> yeah, <it was> <laughs> like imagine you've got a UFC fight and you got the you know the octagon and wherever it is that they fight in, and there's one guy in the, you know there's one guy in the corner and then in the other corner there's just a <laughs> chain there's a punching bag you know dangling from a chain from the ceiling and you know for for 20 minutes the guy just punches and kicks that punching bag and you know the UFC is charging 69.95 punching bag. <laughs> But that's that. That's what our society has become. It's basically become, you know, these like you know alpha male alpha male YouTube gorillas that go on their that go on their channel for forty five minutes speaking the, the the truth. But you know, God forbid they allow uh, another intellectual heavyweight fighter into the ring with them. You know, that could actually tear because they're afraid. They're afraid that if they put some other guy that's just as smart as they are. Their whole worldview can be destroyed. Whereas I love that. I, I love the challenge. I love having intellectual heavyweights come down and tear me to pieces because when they tear me down to pieces, I'm going to incorporate what they've taught me and build myself up to be stronger. Well, that, that just that makes sense. And it's, it's just, it's a, it's a certain kind of maturity. A couple of weeks ago, I was talking to a friend of mine who he had told me that he was kicked off of a Twitch stream. I don't know if you know Twitch. Twitch is the video, like a video game social platform. Yeah, right? I, I know. So he was, uh, he had subscribed, paid about five bucks to watch this guy play a certain game. And because he really liked a certain game and he wanted to learn a bit more about it. It's a card game. And um, he was watching the guy. And, uh, you know, so and apparently on these, on these streams, People can ask questions or leave comments, and it just keeps scrolling and so forth, right? So somebody says something to the guy um, about a comment he had made, and the guy banned him. He just immediately banned him, and he started giving this view that the owner, the 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 the, the owner of the Twitch stream, the the the, main, the game player, banned the commentator. And my friend was watching this, and. Uh, he he immediately responded to the guy saying, "Hey, what are you doing? This you, you don't just ban people for saying things they don't you know that you don't agree with, and that's not right. Plus, he paid money to be here. Why would you ban him?" I would like to tell you that the the Twitch streamer said, "You know what? You know what? I I, I that was true. No, he my friend got banned too." <laughs> so the idea is that you know um, hey, what what happened? Say that again. My friend, my friend got banned as well. Okay, so as so, well. so this guy bans someone who just and this guy who made this comment just said in a polite way, like, "Hey, last week you said this or something like that," and he gets banned. And then yeah. someone says, "Hey, why did you ban that guy?" And then that guy gets banned. Okay. Banned. Yeah. Wow. Oh, wow. And so that's that's very interesting because it's you know that's the world in a nutshell, in the sense of that's that's our that's our society. Um, would be in. One of the ways, one of the most beautiful things about America is that you know you could speak, say things, communicate, talk. I mean, that's why there was no. It, it would have been. I used. To, we were so. Um, we were so different from Nazi Germany in the sense that that we we our our American the American myth was still alive, and right now this whole thing is you know we're talking about delusions. You can't, there are certain places where you can't even question the illusions anymore. You can't even ask questions 
to enlighten. You can't ask, you can't ask questions to challenge anything that may seem or actually is problematic and contrary to what we see in reality. Because you get banned, sure, switch, no consequence. You lose five bucks, right? You get banned, you lose five bucks, you don't see the video. That's fine. But in many places, many cases, you lose your job. Well, I, I think even losing that five bucks is not right either. You know, it's I mean, not right. I, it, no, it's not. It, it's absolutely not right. And I, I think we're also, we as a society are also responsible for this as well because no one no one actually calls out these people you see the problem is is that a lot of these influencers are basically following what the public wants so in in, in now i'm you know like in, in some that yes they are guilty if you follow the public you follow the money exactly you follow the public, you're following the money it, yeah exactly they, they follow they're following the public in order to make money and and what i think needs to happen is that the public needs to wisen up and say no we're not going to just follow some guy who's acting like a, a demagogue and just goes on the channel and speaks you know his he just drops the truth for 45 minutes we actually want to hear high you know high high caliber high intelligent debate i actually want to hear my speakers admit that they're wrong i want them to revise their ideas i want to see them grow stronger i want to see progress i want to see i want to i want to be able to ask in the chat any question that i want to and I want the person, you know, leading that Twitch channel or whatever to address that problem, or if they can't address that problem, to at admit that they, they can. Yeah, at least admit, hey man, that's a great question. I actually don't have the answer to that. Or wow, wow, you've actually changed my mind on that. I want to see that kind of behavior. And I think the public needs to be instructed on how to be you know a more intelligent consumer of truth and a more intelligent consumer of knowledge because i, I think it goes into I, I think it's partly genetic i think that our especially with us men okay us men like strong alpha alpha male gorillas that go in there and just like you know have these you know the, you know so and so destroys college student or you know like we 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 we, we, we are like we like these like strong men type figures that go in there, they drop like the truth, like a nuclear explosion and everyone's head is just blown off. And I think we need to overcome, we need to overcome that, you know, that, that that's like an evolution, that's an evolutionary trait. We need to overcome that and be like, no, that, that alpha male gorilla that's dropping truth is not actually speaking the truth. The guy who's actually speaking the truth revises uh, his or her opinions over time, admits when they're wrong, and sort of recalibrates themselves every so often. And we need to actually just retrain our mind in order to recognize that that's what the truth looks like, not some guy just dropping the mic and, and walking off stage. Well, yeah, I mean, but here's the thing, though, even the people who are let's just say the alpha male, you know, grotesque um, behavior, whatever it may be. He's speaking, even if he is speaking, if he's speaking the truth, he's speaking the truth. Just because his, his, his manner, his manners may be, may, be, may be unacceptable or not even unacceptable, but dislikes in general. But doesn't mean that what he's saying isn't true. As long as, see, my, 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 my general thing is, it doesn't, if, if the wrong person says the right thing, it doesn't make that right thing wrong. But the idea is that 
is to train one's own mind to, for, to forget about the peripherals because the person's character is peripheral. If it's true, it's, I don't care if, if it comes from Mother Teresa or um, Christopher Hitchens. If it's true, it's true. If it's true, it's true. We don't, it's, 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 it becomes very dangerous when we judge the message by the messenger. Now, I'm not saying that the character is, is important because it, it, it reveals the credibility of the person, but people can lie. People can, people can pretend we're all actors. So it's important to train yourself simply to recognize what is true. Now, I, I entirely agree with you. You can be a very vicious person and still speak truth. I 100% agree with what you're saying. Here's, but here, here's the turning point. If you're a very aggressive alpha male, vicious, I drop the truth, and that's your persona, and you're still speaking truth, fair enough. However, when a challenger comes along on Twitch or, or in some other capacity, you better open up the cage and allow that person in and actually debate them and actually tear down each of their counterpoints piece by piece. And that's not that's the part where I'm not seeing it. I'm, I'm seeing the, the I'm, I'm seeing I'm seeing these people speak quote unquote the truth, and they're beating their chest, and it sounds awesome. And and again, there might be truth sprinkled into what they're into their bravado, okay? And then they're and in fairness, there always is some truth spreak, uh, sprinkled into that bravado, but. When 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 someone when a challenger comes along, they either ignore that challenger's email, they ban them from the chat, like you just described with the Twitch example. And I'm seeing a lot more of that. I'm seeing a lot more of that where there's there's some powerful challengers, and they're not they're not they're not properly defending their their belief system when a proper yeah. challenger comes along. That's what I think is the problem. Yeah, I mean, because a lot of these guys don't, I mean, they don't care. It's, it's really, it's all about the money, the status, and the, the power over the people, the individuals. Um, and, you know, we're living in a time when debating or having even a civil conversation or debating either way is not, is not generally accepted. And so there are, there are still those who, who have the platform and who, and who, you know, who, have, who present the opportunity. But it's not, it's not, it's not a, it's not a norm. It's not a common thing anymore. And what you, you what you do have is this, you know, um, um, totalitarian, you know, dominating kind of attitude or very sheepish and cowardly attitude uh, towards dialogue and towards hearing the other side and so forth. You know, what's interesting, man, you know, when, when I, when I think of one of the biggest truth tellers of all time, Socrates, there's something I notice about Socrates. I notice that all of his dialogues are just that. They're dialogues. They're conversations. Like, you know, when, when you have the, the works of Socrates, it's not just Socrates writing his thesis for 50 pages saying this is how the universe works. It's Socrates talking to some other dude who's saying, well, what about this Socrates? Or how come the Athenians do this and that, right? So I find it kind of strange that our, one of our biggest truth tellers of all time spoke the truth in dialogue with other people who were actively, actively trying to tear him down. They, they were actively trying to poke holes in his theories. So if, if, if that is the exemplar, if the, if the biggest truth teller of all time spoke the truth uh, by means of the dialectic or by means of conversing with others, 
then I think that should become the universal standard with how we judge truth. It's not truth in a vacuum. It's truth under the careful scrutiny of other people. And I, I think I think that's how we have to start retraining the mind. We need to start retraining the mind of like Socrates is the exemplar. He speaks the truth. And notice every every sentence Socrates says, some other dude or dudes are attacking him. That's how you know that his truth is really robust, that, that he says this thing, and then he's got five different people attacking him and trying to refute him. And then basically the strongest man wins. Or it's, yeah. like a, it's, a, uh, it's like a battle royale. The strongest man is left in the ring. And he does so not because he says he's the strongest man, but because he's fairly won the competition. Yes. And I, I, think, I think that is the nature of truth in conversation. And that's, that's one of the helpful things about having friends or even, and even enemies is the challenges, the refutes, and, you know, um, the, the attempted pokingsies of the holdingsies in the, in the theory is very helpful. Um, very helpful because not only, I mean, not only does it strengthen our own position, but we also get to see, it also builds, how you say, a confidence, a confidence in what we hold. Um, and it's, uh, I'll, I'll say that's, 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 a, that, that's, a, that's a good place to be. Okay, I want to get back to this idea of us being actors and us uh, living in delusions. And I, I, I think <laughs> I'm going to, what I'm going to do with you, my friend, is I want to create a truth first aid kit. Truth first aid. Okay, so <laughs> we're gonna create a, a a first aid kit of truth, so that in case someone is having a lie heart attack, we can revive that person instantly. We have a defibr uh, what's it called defibrillator. I'm saying it wrong, right? My mispronunciation. There we go. We're gonna have one of those that someone someone's having a lying heart attack. We're gonna revive them and bring them back to life to the truth. All right. All right. So I think that individuals who I think there's some truth in individuals who are going against the grain and and can answer uh, who are who are their their thoughts seem independently contrived now that doesn't mean like you can have independently contrived thoughts but it could be a bunch of lies like you know oh there's UFOs controlling us right so just because it's independently contrived doesn't mean it's the truth but that's a good step right it's a good step if the person you're talking to is at least uh, spouting ideas that seem original and seem independently contrived. How does that sound to you? Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. And again, just because your thoughts are independent doesn't mean that it's the truth, but it's, the truth, but... it's a step in the right direction. At least yeah. you're, you're coming up with ideas that, you know, are, are that of your own. The second thing is how open they are to scrutiny and to follow-up questions, what-if questions, hypothetical. If someone goes up to them and says, suppose a group of people decided to do this, they better have an answer for it. How does it, right? I think, I, I think, I think so. I think so, because it's, uh, it, it's, if, if you're not open, if you're not open to scrutiny, if you're not open to, um, to follow-up questions, then what the hell are you doing? Hmm. I mean, what's what's the point of all the crack you're saying? If we can't test it to make sure that it is in fact true, what do you care about? Do you care about it being true? Or do you care about us just simply believing that you know what's true? You know? Yes. And and also making sure that that person, you know, when, when the follow-up question is asked, 
Make sure that that person is actually addressing the tenants of that follow-up question and is not changing the subject or, or, or backpedaling or doing any of these other tricks. But you, know, you have to be able, the audience has to be pretty intelligent and ask themselves, did this person actually ask, answer the question or did they give politicians speak and sort of divert oh, attention elsewhere? Man, I'm, I was just about to say politicians, you're like, they're, 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 they're just, well, you're skilled, man. Skilled <laughs> in doing that. It's amazing. <laughs> it's amazing, bro. You know, and they get away with it all the time. Yes. Yeah. But it's they get, a, but they also get away with it because the person asking the question doesn't say, you didn't answer my question. You didn't answer my question. You didn't answer my question. Like the person asked. You'd have to say it a thousand times. You'd yeah. Have to say it a <laughs> amount of times in an interview that is just embarrassing for both parties. It's like, is it blue or green? Well, I remember one time in Kentucky when my father was asked, is it blue or is it green? <laughs> my goodness, man. And there's also there's also power dynamics there as well because you know the reporter is afraid. Well, if I piss off this politician, I'll never be invited back here again, right? So there's also there's also power dynamics that go imagine, in there. I can imagine there's you know things like that in play in the background. Um, also, I like you know I like those go getter reporters, the ones that just don't give a crap, especially the ones that are part of like an ind- independent media. Yeah. Very, very, oh yeah. They're, they're very. like they're like kamikaze reporters. They know they're going to ask this question, and they're going they're going to die here. They're going to blow <laughs> up, and they'll never be invited back. But they're they're sacrificing their 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 Gosh, career. Darn it, they're going to ask the damn question. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So okay. So how how well you know the person deals with follow up questions or scrutiny to their ideas? Are they open to debate? Um, and like I said, I I, I think that. <laughs> Bless you, my friend. Bless you. So I, I like the point that you made that just because somebody speaks with confidence, that doesn't mean that they're lying. Okay. You can speak with confidence and maybe 95% of your material is, is truthful. It is definitely within the realm of possibility. But I think that you, you know that you're following a delusion when you can't question the mantra or the dogma that is being spouted. So if no follow-up questions are allowed, and also you can also tell if a, you can tell a person is unsure of their ideas or they're lying, if you ask a follow-up question and you notice irritation in their voice, okay? Like if they, if they seem irritated by your question, it probably means that one, this person is lying to you and you've just, uh, you've just spotted a gaping hole in their ship or two, they haven't thought through their ideas thoroughly and they're kind of embarrassed. embarrassed. That they're embarrassed that you found the hole in the ship and they're embarrassed and, and they're, they're doing everything in their power to get your eyes away from that hole on the ship. Yeah. Even um, if it means screaming and screaming and cursing. Okay. Absolutely. Um, Kenny, I, I don't know if we've completely, um, I don't think we've completely unmasked the world, but I think this is a good, this is at least a good first aid kit in helping people to start unmasking some of the lies that are are swimming around us right now. Um, Thank you so much for being on the show today. Aaron, my good man, thank you for having me. It was was a great time and a pleasure. This concludes the 156th episode of the Truth Island podcast. I'm Aaron Azrod.